This is a Federal News Network podcast. Coming up on today's Federal Newscast, the new head of the Postal Service has agreed to a sit-down with congressional overseers. Many senators want the next coronavirus bill to implement maximum telework capabilities for federal workers. The White House is hoping to incentivize contractors to use more American workers. These stories and more in today's Federal Newscast. Welcome to today's episode of the Federal Newscast. I'm Eric White. Postmaster General Louis DeJoy has agreed to testify before House lawmakers next month about operational changes at the Postal Service. Those changes went into effect last month to cut down on overtime and transportation costs at the agency, also resulting in mail delays. But members of the House Oversight and Reform Committee also expect to ask about USPS readiness to handle mail-in ballots for the November 3rd election. Meanwhile, the Postal Service Board of Governors will give a status update on the agency's finances at a meeting this Friday. More than 20 senators are adding to the list of priorities of what they want to see in the next coronavirus relief package. Among their suggestions, they want to see the next bill require maximum telework for federal employees throughout the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. The group of senators include Democrats Chris Van Hollen, Elizabeth Warren, Mark Warner, and Alaskan Republican Lisa Murkowski. They say a maximum telework policy in the federal government would set a positive example for other workplaces. It would also keep those employees who do need to report to work safer. The unions representing some Environmental Protection Agency employees says the agency is reopening some facilities to more employees too soon. The American Federation of Government Employees says EPA's headquarters office in Washington and the Boston Regional Office will advance to phase two of its reopening plan, but the union says the D.C. office doesn't meet EPA's guidelines and metrics for reopening. Smaller EPA offices in the Northeast and Midwest are also moving to Phase 2. One vital document and employee discrimination disputes suspended by the pandemic are coming out again. Federal News Network's Tom Temin explains. The Equal Employment Opportunity Commission says it started issuing charge closure documents yesterday. They'd been suspended since March because of the pandemic, unless parties to a charge requested them. The document is notification that the commission has closed a case. People who wish to pursue their cases in court have 90 days to do so after the issuance of charge closure documents. The commission says further delays could harm that right. I'm Tom Temin. Maryland and Virginia senators are going to bat for government contractors. They want industry to receive reimbursements under contracts that were delayed or halted because of the coronavirus pandemic. Senators Mark Warner and Tim Kaine of Virginia and Ben Cardin and Chris Van Hollen of Maryland asked Senate leadership to extend Section 3610 provisions that provide paid leave, including sick leave, to employees and subcontractors until December 31, 2021 in the next stimulus bill. The current provision to reimburse vendors expires on September 30th. A new executive order from the White House aims to limit how much foreign labor federal contractors can use. The EO calls on the heads of each agency to examine a vendor's use of foreign labor when entering into contracts. They also must submit a report to the Office of Management and Budget in the next 120 days, summarizing what those reviews found. 
What to expect from the next executive order on federal hiring? Here's more from Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco. The Office of Personnel Management says it'll host virtual focus groups with agencies in the next month to hear their ideas and concerns about implementing the new hiring EO. The order instructed agencies to rely on skills-based assessments over a candidate's college degree when hiring someone new into the federal government. OPM says it'll also host listening sessions and an industry day to highlight best assessment tools and practices. Draft changes to the new general schedule qualification policy will be out later this month, with final implementation in late December. Nicole Legrisco, Federal News Network. A possible promotion for the Army's top financial official. The White House said yesterday the president intends to nominate Jonathan Moak to be the next assistant secretary of the Army for financial management. Moke is currently the Deputy Assistant Secretary and performing the duties of the Army Comptroller. Moke would replace John Whitley. The administration has picked Whitley to be the director of the Pentagon's Office of Cost Assessment and Program Evaluation. His confirmation hearing is scheduled for today. The White House has formally withdrawn the nomination of the retired general the president picked to be the Pentagon's top policy official. Federal News Network's Jared Serbu has details. The withdrawal of Anthony Tonta's nomination came after the Senate Armed Services Committee abruptly canceled his confirmation hearing last week. That happened after Chairman Jim Inhofe concluded he didn't have enough support to move the nomination out of committee. Nonetheless, the administration plans to install Tonta into the Undersecretary for Policy position even without Senate confirmation, with a performing the duties title. That announcement prompted backlash from Democrats yesterday who say he can't do the job effectively. Jared Serbu, Federal News Network. Eight teams of white hat hackers will spend a few days this week trying to find security flaws in DoD space systems. The Hackasat Challenge is part of the annual DEFCON conference, which is being held virtually this year. Air Force acquisition officials picked the eight teams out of the more than 2,000 that took part in a qualifying competition in late May. Officials say the target is a mock satellite and not an operational one. The Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency is thinking beyond the general schedule for new cyber recruits. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman has more on that. CISA is focused on hiring a younger, digital native demographic with the hands-on experience needed in cybersecurity. Prospective hires include recent college graduates and those in postgraduate programs with a few years of experience under their belt. But CISA Director Chris Krebs says the agency also gets applications from 17- and 18-year-olds with practical experience as white hat hackers. Jory Heckman, Federal News Network. The latest IT modernization scorecard is out, and it's the best one yet. Here's Federal News Network's Jason Miller. For the first time in five years, no agency received an F or a D grade on the Federal IT Acquisition Reform Act or FATARA scorecard. The House Oversight and Reform Subcommittee on Government Operations released the 10th FATARA scorecard yesterday. GSA received the only A grade, while nine agencies, the Departments of Agriculture, Commerce, Education, and Treasury, and the EPA, the National Science Foundation, the SBA, the SSA, and the USAID received B grades. The rest of the agencies received C grades. Jason Miller, Federal News Network. You can find more information about these stories at federalnewsnetwork.com. Search Federal Newscast. Subscribe to the Federal Newscast on Podcast One or Apple Podcasts. And stay up to date on your agency's response to the coronavirus with our coronavirus resource page. I'm Eric White. At the Home Depot, we have the tools for you to give the gift of a smarter home with savings on top brands like the Google Hub, a command center for your smart devices that raises the IQ of your entire home, or the Nest Learning Thermostat that helps you conserve energy and save on your bill. 
And if you don't know what to get, gift cards are a smart gift no matter what they get. So this year, gift smarter with savings on tools to make your holiday magic. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.